0: Folks, our first on-demand workshop, "How to Become a Coffee Consultant," is now available for you to learn at your own pace for just fifty euros, and it comes with a certificate upon completion. Go to slash workshops or click the link in the show notes for more details. Support this podcast by supporting our sponsors. Welcome to the Daily Coffee Pro by Map Forward, friends. I'm your host Lee Safar, and this is episode three of a five-part series, and we have Martin from Mayorga Coffee. Martin we are going to approach financing and financials in the coffee industry um, and in coffee business models the part of this discussion that I really want us to you're a finance guy right like yes you're a businessman but you're not a you're not a, a, a businessman in the coffee industry that's in it for the coffee per se. You're not leading that way. You're leading with a very finance focused approach to running a business, which is a breath of fresh air from where I'm sitting. Let's have a conversation about what's really going on um, about financing in the coffee supply chain.
1: Well, I think the first thing to note is something very obvious. Coffee is the number two traded commodity in the world. So, if you're in the coffee industry, I don't care if you think you're special and you're buying this special, unique. You're in that, you're within the tentacles of that reality. And what is that reality? When you see something that's heavily traded as a commodity and is basically an asset that moves and, and transacts, and you know, money's made by, you know, movement and velocity and transactions. Well, that's a great place for the money to go and look for opportunity. Mm-hmm. So, the financing of coffee is really the primary business. Coffee is the secondary business when it comes to how it moves, right? Because a lot of banks, a lot of financing groups love coffee, right? Especially when you get into the lower quality where you can fix against the market and do hedging and manage your futures, and it gets pretty sophisticated. Mm. But we are all subject to that reality. And those that are financing coffee at any scale, you know, I'm not if you're buying a bag or two a year, it's, you know, you can put it on a credit card. But right. if you're moving at any scale and you think you're buying from this direct trader who they're they're dealing with one of five companies really mm-hmm. uh, that is in this industry. And then in the US one of one bank that really, uh, you know, they don't even like to be called a bank, but um, you're part of that. And you're either contributing to it or subject to it or being penalized by it or being part of an oppressive system that keeps that financing as a tool to make money on the backs of the poorest people in the world mm-hmm. with abusive interest rates, abusive practices of collateralizing debt with land that ends up being taken, collateralizing that debt with conditions where they have to buy the fertilizer and the inputs and do this and do that based on our terms and conditions, because we loaned you this money. Um, it is the ugly reality of coffee. And it's been what I've been trying to fix and work on. It's been, and look, I didn't know about the realities until. What I did is I, I I lived in Nicaragua, I and I, I spent the la- the first ten years of my business uh, in the coffee world was focused on being down there and listening and asking the questions mm-hmm. and who owns this mill and who finances it and you know you catch people in nice that way I mean I literally had a mill that we were very excited to work with in Nicaragua and. Um, my lawyer, I, I had a, a lawyer who actually, we have an, our own export company down there. I mean, it's so bad that we own export companies in different countries because even the export companies then take too much of a cut. So I said, well, let's just open our own. Um, he told me before we met with this mill that the real owners were basically bankers that then kind of put in the, the management team, but the banks kind of hide in the background. So anyway, we were talking to them about this program that they're touting about how if we bring our business to them and then we move our contracts to them, then they can finance our farmers and it's this great thing. But I'm a person who I don't take anything for face value. I said, okay, so Ask walk questions. me through it. Tell me this. Tell me that. Before you know it, we find out that, let's say we had a contract at 250 when the market was $1.40. Um, a producer brings coffee to them for our contract. And this is just a mill. Their, their job should be to mill coffee, export it, and that's it, right? But no, they see opportunity beyond that. So they're going to bring in $100 of coffee against our contract. Uh, these people will pay the market price for that coffee, charge them interest until I pay you know, for the full contract. So basically, they're taking the entire uh, delivery of coffee against a contract that you know $250, whatever it might be, paying $1.40 for it, calling it a loan, even though you're holding all their coffee, you essentially bought it for my contract. It's just the manipulation. is just, it's not just the global big picture. It's also what is happening in these countries and what is happening in these mills. Who owns these mills? Why does one major company own the mill, the export company, the import company under six different names? Um, Where did these other, you know, new direct trade brokers come out of and how are they getting financed? Financing is everything. You know, I hate to say it, but Mm. money moves the world and money can really fuck things up. And, and it's a predatory monopoly,
0: right? Like that's the pro- that's the real problem here. It's the predatory monopoly that happens with having access to all the money where you now own the fertilizers that these farmers have to use because they owe you money and in return for all of that you have to use their fertilizers. They're going to charge you. That. I mean, it's a it's a it's a self-perpetuating cycle of constant debt. To the same overlords.
1: It is. And trust me, I've had situations in a country. One time we we did a um fixed contract, fixed price contract with a family, paying them very well. And one of my conditions was you can't mill through these people because this is one of the multinationals. I don't trust them. And part of my role is to break away from these kind of systemic, right? You know, impoverishing relationships. And I will never forget the granddaughter of the original owner of the farm said, but they've helped us so much.
0: That got to break your heart.
1: And I said, well, how have they helped you? How Mm -hmm. has your life improved in three generations? Where is the help? Is just being around help? Is just being the one person that you're able to sell to help? Or is that basically monopolizing your entire future Mm -hmm. by taking advantage of you? And you're now in the third generation. Where's the new house? Where's the... Growth, it's a scene it's
0: inherited debt that's the problem every yeah. fi- every every coffee crisis we go to go through there's bigger and bigger inherited debt and i hear it from producer after producer after producer it's a it's a massive problem and and folks well, let me so interject
1: rem- one other thing Please. That's a, i'm sorry
0: no no you go ahead
1: let's not forget that roasters are subject to this right Current. They think, oh, I'm going to buy from this trader, and they're going to give me 60-day <laughs> we were terms. you are going to
0: say the same thing. Go on. <laughs>
1: it's the same freaking group.
0: Yeah.
1: Right? They might have a cool, fun name in the US or the UK or Australia. It's the same people that are down there exploiting the people that you think you're helping. And now the only reason you work with them is because they're willing to finance you. So think about how powerful being the one that holds all the money is. You control an entire industry.
0: And because the margins are so slim, and because people are getting into business, not knowing how to run businesses, and because you're competing against people who you think started at the same starting point as you, there are coffee companies out there that have the flash packaging and many beautiful stores and all this kind of stuff that you want to aspire to as a coffee roaster and as a cafe owner. The part of the story that you're missing, folks, is that they are funded by massive VC companies. There are venture capitalists out there that have a vested interest in funding these businesses. And you don't know about it because they're not telling you about it. And so you, what you're trying to do is to aspire to those companies thinking that you have a shot. You run your business at next to nothing. So then what are you done? then then what happens? You're beholden to the finance companies to help bail you out with credit to buy green coffee containers your forward contracts for containers. And now you're a part of the vicious cycle as well. We have said it a million times on this podcast. The coffee supply chain, we have checked and, checked and checked and checked and checked and checked. The people who make the money in the coffee supply chain are not people who are custodians of coffee. It is the banks and the landlords. That is who makes money in the coffee supply chain. And it's infuriating. Let me, I'd
1: Go love ahead. to tell you a little story that highlights I this. I love so your story. <laughs> I have to be careful about names. I have so many stories. I mean, we've been in the trenches forever. Mm-hmm. I was buying coffee from a group that emerged, you know, early 2000s or so, and well, I wasn't buying coffee. So what I was doing was I sourced from my producers. Mm-hmm. This group did my trade financing, right? And I literally was moving all my coffee through UPS, which a lot of people don't realize. UPS was picking up containers at mills, taking them to port, bring them to the U.S., and literally on the UPS trucks, bringing them to me. So I handled logistics through mm-hmm. UPS. This group came in and financed uh, the trade, and I think they marked the, the coffee like two cents. That was our deal, mm-hmm. if, which is fine. You're adding a service. You're paying yep. you know, – you're handling – a lot of things and you give me money so i'm going to pay for that um we you know we were doing very well we get a letter one day from another coffee company that says we have acquired x y and z trader <laughs> this is our you you're now you know in our portfolio great to have you on board blah, blah 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 great backing up a little bit this same coffee company had personally flown me in a private jet to their facility mm-hmm. because they wanted to acquire my company and bring me on board and i said no Mm. so I get this letter oh good this is kind of weird you know like now they're you know they're they're the ones that I worked through for my for my uh trade financing two weeks later I get a letter saying we have analyzed your account and we decided that your uh line of credit which is substantial in the millions of dollars is uh we're cutting it to five hundred thousand dollars. so based on this analysis you're now out of terms in excess of like 1.5 2 million dollars we require payment yeah we require payment within the next seven days or we'll take this matter to the courts whatever i'm like what the hell is going on here they send their cfo and some other guy to my office and basically say look we can do one of two things we can put you out of business or we convert this debt into equity
0: motherfuckers
1: and i'm sitting there like I don't want to sound paranoid, but did they do this entire deal just to take my business? <clears throat> because we have some very good customers that know us, like us, love us, and we've done business with for years. And frankly, we've been approached by many companies to acquire us because of those relationships. So they literally maneuvered things so that <clears throat> I would be indebted to them, arbitrarily changed my payment terms. And uh, oh, and by the way, I had coffee that I had imported that was sitting in there mm-hmm. in their um custody. And they said, you have to pay us these millions of dollars and take all this coffee at once, or we're going to put you out of business, or we'll just turn this into equity basically on your company. And my whole thing is, look, I'm independent. i built this business from nothing. When you start from nothing, you fear nothing and you have nothing to Mm -hmm. fucking lose. I said, great. Take my company. Good luck. I'll go down fighting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You think I can't do this again? You think my name and my reputation, my relationships, can't be, take the money, take the coffee, take my house, take my shoes. Yep. I don't care.
0: Yeah. Because that's not what you am saying. That's not what this is about. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And I never had anything before. And I don't, I don't attach myself to material. But these are the things that happen in coffee that people don't talk about. A lot of the acquisitions you've seen in the last six months and will see in the next two years are not people saying I'm going to sell my business and cash out. They're yeah. basically, and if you're smart, do the math. If a big trader buys a small trader, It's because that small trader was indebted to that big trader, Mm -hmm. couldn't pay their debt. And now they're going to buy them out by basically saying, well, you owe me $5 million. I'm going to convert it to equity. I now own you. But the press release says so-and-so has sold to so-and-so for millions of dollars. And I was like, wow, they cashed out. And then guess what? People are like, trading business is a good business. I'm going to get into it. And a lot of it's fire sales and bailouts. And I just, you know, I think the thing that frustrates me is people don't, want to do this kind of exploratory process of knowing what the industry is and i think you know going back to the original topic which is unfortunately a lot of it's about finance because Mm -hmm. money moves the world and money moves people and i can tell you that i have seen money just it's disgusting to me Mm -hmm. look i'm successful and i have nothing against being financially successful it's it turns people into some ugly creatures sometimes. Mm. And unfortunately, a lot of those ugly creatures amass more of the money because that's their focus. And when they Mm. amass a lot of that money, they lose sight of humanity. Um, And I think we have to, and we owe it to the people that we, that our industry pretends to care about. We owe it to them to understand what this looks like. Look, I'm in London right now Mm. and I'm on my way back from East Africa Part of the reason I'm here and I've been to other countries before this is to meet with people that can help me create my financial model to be more efficient through you know, better financing. And that literally is a focus for me all the time. I'm always looking for better ways to finance my business, finance my producers, create long-term value. It's getting harder and harder because we're living in a world with interest rates that are exploding and the cost of money for everybody is high. But if you're not working on how you finance your business, who you finance with, you're kind of running in quicksand. You know, you might have a great brand, a great product. You might think your margins are X, but they're really Y. It's just so important. And the risk is about to go up,
0: folks. The risk is about to go up. People, finance companies are about to get more suspicious and more stringent about lending money because the next two years in business, And and especially, you know, our business is the coffee industry. The next two years in our business is going to really (laughs) lean into Warren Buffett's famous saying, when the tide goes out, that's when you see who's swimming naked. Mm -hmm. This is the next two years the tide's going to be going out and we're really going to get to see who's going to get eaten alive.
1: And look, like me, love me. Unfortunately, a lot of people don't like me (laughs) or love me in the coffee industry. I've not only survived, but thrived for 25 years. Yeah. And I've done it through an economic crash in 2007, 2008, which was scary and massive. I've mm. lived, I've lived through a coffee market that reached $3 in 2010. And mm. then every side of that, we've actually improved and grown, you know? And the reason we have is because those who were swimming naked were out of the game and yep. the market just grew for us. And we yeah. stepped in because we were prepared and we had foresight. You know, I have... Just so you know, my business model is I have a monthly cash flow budget that is to the penny mm. between now and the end of 2024. And then I have an annualized budget for the next eight years. I have a 10 year working budget at all times. And frankly, in my personal life, too. Mm. If you don't have a vision and a plan and then be able to plug in the variables, oh, well, interest rates are going to go up by 4%, or they may go down. Let me plug that into my model. Oh, shit, that makes my cash flow negative. What do I need to change in my? operational model or my cost or my if you don't have that flexibility coupled with vision of trying to understand where uh economic variables will take us you're just kind of showing up and you're at the mercy of the tide and that tide is going to take you away or drown you or and to me that is what business is is trying to control your destiny you never can really do it but those of us who do the what if scenario playing and really feel sound with our models we have a better, have a better chance. chance. that's how I, I've seen people Change. come and go over 25 years. Yeah. Uh, and I think if there's anything you listen to from me, it's that importance because I want people to be successful. A lot of people think, look, the coffee industry is riddled with people who want to be the last man standing, right? We're the most sustainable. We're the best. Look, I'm not against, and I want every small to medium business to thrive because I want us all to then take over and squeeze out the very small, limited number of massive players that are the real issue. Mm. But it's like that you hear that that saying where you put two different ants in a jar and shake it. they're fine until you shake it up, and you're shaking it, and they're fighting each other, yeah. that's kind of what's happening in coffee, yep. you know the big players that are really the money, really the financing really they're not even in the conversation. They're not even at the trade shows.' they're, they're just kind of watching counting their money while it, and it, laughing it's like, oh, oh. yeah,
0: they're laughing at the rest of us. I guess folks, the thing that we're saying it's not don't open a business. What we're saying is get financially literate as a part of your preparing to open your business. It's not just about your fit out. It's not just about buying a roasting machine. It's not just about picking all the delicious coffees that you want to serve. Learn how to get financially literate and then make that a lifetime journey. Yeah. And uh, which the next episode I think is my favorite of this whole series that we're about to have a discussion on which is about leadership in, in specialty small business. So join us for the next episode. I can't wait to hear what you've got to say about that, Martin. Peace, love and peanut butter, Me everybody. Too. Have an amazing rest of your day. <laughs>